Turn to the New Testament, the book of Ephesians, chapter number four. Thank you, Brother Bo. Thank you, Miss Mary. I uh, appreciate the playing tonight. And uh, as you notice, a lot of our staff, a lot of our regular staff are out of town, and a lot of our membership are out of town. Uh, folks are traveling tonight, and a lot of folks are waiting to, to get past Sunday uh, to go see family. So pray for our people that are out there on the road, especially ones that are up north. I don't know if you keep up with the Thorntons on social media, but last check, I think they were in Canada and uh, there's a lot of snow up there, a lot of ice, and uh, you pray for them that they'll be able to make it home, as well as the rest of our folks. Ephesians chapter number four, I want you to remain seated tonight, because I'm going to read a little more than we normally do. I'm going to pick up in verse number 17 of Ephesians chapter number four, and I got to thinking, I think it was just this afternoon, didn't necessarily realize tonight was the last service of 2022. And boy, what a long year 2022 has been, both literally and figuratively. But uh, thanks be to God, he's brought us to the end. And what a blessing we can look back and see God's goodness and grace where he's brought us through. And uh, excited about closing out this year here together, worshiping. Uh, and then looking forward to Sunday morning, starting our year off in church. What an exciting thought. I don't know of a better place you could be than to start off the year in the house of God with the people of God. And so go ahead and go ahead and set your calendar. Don't stay up too late on, Chris, on uh, New Year's Eve, popping fireworks. I know you're not going to be drinking, so we have to worry about that. Uh, just don't stay up too late that you can't get up and come to church on Sunday. Start the year off right, okay? It's one at a time. Start the year off right in God's house with God's people. And then you add victory after victory. And before you know it, you're where we're at tonight, the last service of the year. And I hope you can look back and see faithfulness. If you can't, make it a, a vow tonight in your heart that you're going to do your best to be more faithful in the new year. Ephesians chapter 4, look down to verse 17. I'm going to read several verses and uh, give you a message the Lord laid on our heart that I think will help you close out the year and look forward to the new one. The Bible says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness." Now watch verse 20, verse 21, 22, 23. Uh, that's what we'll be preaching out of tonight. Uh, the Bible gives us a contrast, if you will. The Bible says, verse 20, but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be ye renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. I think it's enough to preach on there tonight. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, I do thank you tonight uh, that we get to close the year out, Lord, here in your house. Last service of 2022. And Father, I pray that as we gather together that, uh, Lord, we'll have our hearts open. Uh, ready to receive the message that you've sent. Father, we know that you know what we need, and we trust you for that tonight. I trust you for that, that I'll leave here tonight with the truth, Lord, that you desire that I have in my life. And I pray that before we leave here, we'll allow the truth to change us. Help us not leave here the way we came. 
Lord, I pray that we desire to be more like Christ going into the new year, and what a better way to do that than to start by closing out this year with that in mind. I pray that you be glorified in the message tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think a little bit tonight about something that probably has already crossed your mind in one way or the other, Uh, whether it be spiritual, uh, whether it be intellectual, whether it be a physical reason. We're all looking forward to the new year, or I hope you are. Uh, I hope that you're looking forward to the opportunity to start fresh. Isn't that what the new year does for us? Gives us an opportunity to kind of begin again. Now, I know that the new year is, is really just another day. You know, they ask you on your birthday, well, do you feel any older? Uh, well, I guess you feel a day older than you did the day before, but it's really just another day. But I think if we're truthful tonight, we would all agree that the new year gives us an opportunity to turn the page. Uh, And to set our sights on a renewal, whether it be a physical renewal, I think we all look forward to maybe trying to do a little bit more healthy in the new year. Maybe you're already healthy, but I do, okay? At least I do tonight. I know I need to be a little bit more healthy. The holidays, we let ourselves go. Uh, I mean, last night I'm sitting on the couch and my in-laws, they always have this big cookie-making time and they send tins home with uh, all of the cousins and grandchildren of Oreo truffles. My soul, I I honestly believe somehow in the translation of Greek, you could probably find manna in there uh, because that's what it tastes like. It's so good, an Oreo covered in chocolate, and they have those peanut butter balls. Ah, Just not too terribly crazy about those. I'll leave them for my wife. And During the Christmas season, we just eat. Uh, People get you Krispy Kreme gift cards. I've got several. If you want to go, let me know. I'll take you, and we can eat for free for months on all the cards that I've gotten. And I've got pounds and pounds of jelly beans. Kids, the jelly bean machine in the office is reloaded. It's ready to go. As a matter of fact, somebody gave me another one. And so now I have two jelly bean machines in my office. So we're ready for the new year. But man, I need to cut back. I want to do better in the new year than I did during the Christmas holidays. I want to turn the page on that. Uh, I want to turn the page on this year I want to read more. I already have a reading list ready for the new year of books that I want to read in the new year. I've got one a month that I'm going to try to read this year, some books that I really believe are going to help me grow spiritually. And I need to, I need to turn the page on reading less. I want to read more. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things tonight. We go down the list of things we want to do better, maybe be more faithful, be more obedient, uh, maybe have a, a greater soul, uh, a burden for the souls of men. And that's the easy part. Wanting to do better is something all of us have inside of us, okay? Uh, If you don't want to do better, you really, really need to do better, okay? Because I hope inside of all of us there's a desire to do better. The question is how. We get to the place where we wonder, how do I do better? How do I become a better Christian, a better parent? How do I do better physically in my diet? Oftentimes, that's where we run into roadblocks. Uh, We have the internet. We can get on the internet and we can Google anything. How to be a better mom, how to be a better dad, how to be a better Christian, uh, how to be more healthy. I've been reading a little bit on how to to eat more healthy, and there's so many opinions out there. I mean, uh, my mother-in-law is is on this keto diet, and and I'm like, well, what is keto? And she's explaining that to me, and there's the Atkins diet and the, uh, the, you know, the paleontologist diet. I mean, there's just all of these diets out there, and everybody has opinions on how you can do better. Sometimes they work, don't they? Sometimes they don't. Sometimes the advice you get online, that works. Sometimes you read things about how to be a better parent and you make things worse. Some of the advice works, some of it doesn't. Here's the good news. As a child of God, we have the Word of God. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? And the Word of God is truth. 
We don't have to wonder whether or not this advice and this counsel and this truth works. We go to the Word of God and we can know, hey, what a blessing it is. Every time I open this book, I don't have to sift through it and wonder what I'm reading is going to work. When I want to be the dad that God's called me to be and I open up the word of God to read about the father that I should be to my daughter and the husband I should be to my wife, I don't have to wonder, I wonder if this is even worth trying. You ever feel that way with diet plans? I wonder if this is even worth trying. Is this going to work? Who came up with this? That's not the case with the word of God. We can go to it and find how we can be the person that God's called us to be because our father is always calling us to be better. Could we agree with that tonight? That our Father has called us to forever be, as we live in this mortal life, in a constant state of growth. You will never be a grown-up Christian, all right? Now, we're to be constantly growing up, but you're never going to be the place where you quit growing. You're always going to be becoming more like your Father. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Obviously, he's not telling us to be sinless, but to be complete. That God wants his children to constantly be growing, becoming more like him, and yet we find in the Christian life that is hard, isn't it? It's hard to keep growing. Why? Because we all have the same enemy. It's called complacency. That's why, look, that's why we quit dieting. That's why we quit reading those books. That's why we quit trying to be a better husband or a better father. It's because we get satisfied and complacent in the place that we're at in our Christian life. Now, here's the good news tonight. The good news is there's so much more that God has for us. There's so much more that God would have us to be so much more that God would have us to do. There's so much more that God has for us to be a part of. But as the children of God, we've got to get past complacency to where we're satisfied where we are at. You say, well, you know, I may be in my 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Can I tell you the good news? It doesn't matter how old you are. There's more. You're never going to accomplish it all and become it all and, and be all that God wants us to be. That's why we're striving toward that. To be who God would have us to be. And I believe tonight the Bible is going to show us in Ephesians 4 some things we can do to help bring about that change in our life. Now here's the good news. First John, the Bible says chapter 2 and chapter 4 that we've already overcome. The Bible says ye have overcome. So the things that seek to stop us from becoming all that God wants us to become, the Bible says we've already overcome them. That's the good news. Okay, the good news is that there's nothing that can stand in my way. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. There's nothing in this world that can keep me from becoming what God wants me to become. There's nothing in this world that can keep me from doing all that God wants me to do. God says, I have already overcome that. The question is, do we want to change? Do we want, as we look forward in the new year, to become what we're not? I don't know about you. Man, the Holy Spirit bears witness in my life of what I'm not. Sometimes the Lord even lets people come in my life and and let me know what I'm not. You ever have people like that in your life? Thank the Lord for that. It doesn't feel good. I can't wait till I get to be one of those guys, you know, to tell people all that they're not. But hey, what a blessing it is to know that when I'm not what I need to be, that God wants me to be that and there's nothing that can stand in my way. As we look toward the new year, I believe if the Lord tarries, he may not. And if he doesn't, we don't have to worry about a thing, right? 
Because when the trumpet of God sounds and the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. And I'm excited about that. I think I'll weigh less. I really do. I think I'll have more hair. I don't know what I'm going to look like. I th- look, I think I'll probably look pretty good in a white robe. But I know that change will happen immediately. But if the Lord doesn't come back, there's change that I need to have in my life. I believe if you're honest tonight, there's change you need to have in your life. And I believe the new year gives us a chance for change. That's what we're going to preach on tonight for a few minutes. Our chance for change. If the Lord tarries and he gives us 2023, and I'll be honest with you, I am as unsure about the future as I have ever been. But if the Lord tarries and gives us 2023, wouldn't you like to change? Wouldn't you like to be what you're not? If you're like me, the Holy Spirit has already borne witness in my life, things I need to work on. My wife and I have been having great opportunities, fellowshipping together, talking about things in the new year that by God's grace in our home, they're going to be different. Why? Because our Father wants that for us. I mean, what kind of a God would it be who saved you and could only change you a little bit? That's not the kind of God I serve. He saved me to the uttermost. And he wants to change me to the uttermost if I'm willing. Now, tonight, there's four things. I know you're thinking, wow, you usually do three. Well, I figure we're going to end on a bang tonight, and we're going to give you four instead of three. I believe Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is helping these Ephesians see how they can have change in their life, and God's preserved this for us to have change in our life. So let's jump into it if we could. Now, verse 17 down through about verse number 19 He's talking about the difference between them and the other Gentiles. Notice what he says in verse 17. This I say, therefore, he's speaking to save people and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as others Gentile, other Gentiles walk. He's telling them there should be a difference, right? In order there to be a difference, there must be a change. So we know we're talking about change. Now, here's what I want you to see right quickly before I give you the first point. Notice that it's understood. Okay, notice that he's speaking to save people and he says there should be an understanding in your mind. There should be a change in you. Now, I, I believe with all of my heart, you look at the mainstream uh, religion today and denominations. We've taken that out. That when we get saved, our heart gets saved, our eternity gets changed, but nothing else gets changed. That is far from the truth of the word of God. He says in verse number 17 that we walk, who's he talking to? Save people, not as other Gentiles walk. Now, I'm so afraid tonight that repentance has been left out of salvation. Now, we're not going to go off on the thin ice and start preaching some type of work salvation, okay? Don't worry about that. But you know what Jesus' first message was? Matthew chapter 4, read it, repent. Repentance was in there. We've taken the repentance out of salvation that, hey, you don't have to turn. Uh, you can live in your sin, enjoy your sin, and hey, you can still be saved. Now, you, we sin after we get saved, but why did he say repent? Repentance is part of it. Now, we're going to see that in this, in this passage. You got quiet on me on that one. You get scared. The world has scared us to death to even mention the word repentance. Now, watch what Paul gives us as this difference here. He says in verse number 20, the change was brought about by how? It says, but ye have not so learned Christ. He's saying that the change that's in you, the difference in you, it's not because of a plan. It was because of a person. Notice he's pointing out to them tonight that the change began with Christ and continues because of Christ. By the way, 
The only reason you are changed and you can walk, not as other Gentiles walk, it's because of Christ. That's it. It's not because of your willpower, your intellectualism. It's not because of your experience. The only reason we can be different and walk not as other Gentiles walk is because of verse 20, because of Christ. Now, keep paying attention. He goes on to tell them more change that comes in our life because of Christ. He says, but ye have not so learned Christ. But stop right there. Why did he bring Christ into the equation? This is important. The reason he brought Christ into the equation is simply this. If you're going to change and become what we're not, you've got to have a pattern to be shooting for. That's the first thing I want you to see tonight. This is important. Our chance for change, if we're going to change in the new year, we've got to have the right pattern. Verse number 20, he points out to them that the pattern for them is Christ. That's number one tonight. Our chance for change begins with the pattern of change, which is Christ. Now, here's what I believe with all of my heart tonight, and I want you to stick with me through this, and I'll show you exactly what he's saying, and I believe you'll understand it by the time we're all said none. I believe we overcomplicate discipleship and growth. I believe we do. I mean, these poor new converts, they get saved, and uh, we have good-hearted Christians who come alongside of them and begin telling them all of what they can do and what they can't do and where they can go and they can't go and how they should look and how they shouldn't look. And there's a lot of truth in that. Don't get me wrong. But you know what true discipleship and growth is all about? Becoming more like Christ. That's what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is becoming a follower, all right? That's what a disciple is. It is a follower of Christ. Tonight, if we want to become more than we are right now, it begins with having the proper pattern. And the proper pattern is Christ. You want to grow to become what you're not. You want to do what you haven't been able to do thus far You'll not do it without learning to follow Christ. This is what he's saying in verse number 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. Christ was the pattern. This is one of the dangers, I believe, in religion today. Religion often leads you to conform to a group or a movement. That's what religion does. You know, uh, no offense to folks of different denominations and religions and so, so on and so forth. Uh, several years ago, my dad and I were preaching in uh, D.C. together, and the hotel that we were staying in, uh, it was, uh, there was a lot of uh, Buddhist monks in there. Uh, and, uh, and they had the nice orange robe, very nice people, very kind people, had, uh, had great conversations with them. Dad witnessed to a few folks that were there, tried to share Christ with them. Uh, and you could tell by they had their heads shaved and what they were wearing that their lifestyle was dictated by their movement and, and the group that they were associated with. Uh, oftentimes, that's the way mainstream religion is. It, it gets us to conform to a group or maybe a clique, if you will, but... Based on the word of God, do you know what we're called to conform to? Christ. Christ. That's the pattern. You know, you're going to fry your brain as a Christian if you try to keep up with this group and keep up with this clique and keep up with this fad in Christian denominations. What you ought to do is just decide, you know what? The best thing for me and my family is that we conform to Christ. And we're going to be disciples of Christ. And we're going to follow Christ. And we're going to make sure that what we speak is what Christ would speak. And how we live is how Christ would live. Because we're followers of him, not religion. This is what gets a lot of people in trouble spiritually. That's what the Pharisees' problem was, wasn't it? What was their condemnation? They were more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of their fathers. 
that they did not even recognize Christ when he came for who he was. Look, Pharisees were humans just like you and I. Be careful tonight following the fads of faith. They're out there. Fads of faith rise and fall every time a, a, a quote-unquote Christian movie comes out. Uh, I know that I'm going to get bombarded by questions. Be like, well, I saw this movie. And I'm like, all right, number one, that's where you made your first mistake. All right. You're, you're, no, look, I watch movies, all right? Uh, I mean, the black and white ones are the best. Uh, but uh, you, you're watching a movie and you're, you're getting your marching orders for the Christian life from a movie. Big problem there, all right? You say, well, I, I read this book. Nothing wrong with reading books. Can I tell you, this is simple. The pattern for the change that we need to have in our life is Christ. He says, you don't walk as other Gentiles walk. So, okay, we don't need to be like them, all right? We know that. Well, who are we supposed to be like? Sometimes we spend all of our time saying who we're not supposed to be like, and we neglect pointing them in the direction of who they are supposed to be like. You'd be amazed tonight at how many questions you would answer for yourself if you just decided, I was going to conform to the pattern of Christ. The questions would answer themselves. Look, I don't mind answering questions, okay? Please come when you have questions. I'm telling you that. Oh, it breaks my heart when somebody says, oh, I know you're busy. Look, look, ask questions, okay? I'd rather you ask Folks come to the office and ask, is this right? Is this wrong? Can we do this? Can we do that? You know what the real question is? The question is, is doing that or going there or being a part of that going to deviate me from following Christ? That's the question. And we get to the place in our Christian life where we're following after Christ, you'd be amazed at how many questions you don't have to answer. You know, if I wanted to go to Gulfport tonight and say, I'm going to go to Gulfport, that's south on Highway 49, straight south from here. I know that I'm not going to go to Laurel. I don't have to ask the question, should I go to Laurel? No, 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 I'm going to Gulfport. And if I'm going to Gulfport, I've already made up my mind I'm not going to Laurel. I don't even have to ask the question about Laurel. Well, I wonder if I should go to Nashville. Nope. So how do you know that? Because I'm going to Gulfport. You see, once I decide where I'm going, a lot of questions are already answered. A lot of times, do you know why we ask questions? Could we just be honest tonight? Last service of the year, I think we ought to come clean and be honest. You know, a lot of times the reason we're asking is because we already have the answer. We're just hoping somebody's going to give us something where it allows us to do what we want to do anyway. Or at least that's the way it is with me, a filthy old sinner. Folks, can I tell you tonight, if we just decided in the new year, hey, I want to be all that God's called me to be. I want to be the different Christian, the different mom, the different dad. Hey, I want to have change in my life. And we just decided I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to learn Christ. Why? Because that is our pattern. And if we're going to follow him, we become more like him. I isolated tonight, I'll give you these right quickly, three things uh, that I see in mainstream religion today that I think we overcomplicate uh, discipleship and, and change in the life of the believer. First, we have faith based on fads, okay? You'd be amazed at how much we do in Christian circles that are based on fads. Uh, you watched when different music movements and quote-unquote worship styles begin to enter into the church. It was a fad that swept the nation. Unless everybody just all of a sudden had the same epiphany at the same time. That we're going to get our music and adopt our music based off what the world's doing. Isn't it interesting? Could we just be honest again tonight? It's amazing how close mainstream religion's music follows the world's music. Can we agree with that? It does. It's all of it. Come on now. 
we got to be honest tonight. It's amazing. You see, rather than using following Christ as the pattern, we're using what the world says. We're just stepping aside from it a couple of steps. You see, it's based on following a fad, not following Christ. That's where you get in trouble, when you start following something other than Christ. But then we have convictions based on clicks, okay? Convictions based on clicks. This is when where we look around at other Christians and we do what they're doing because we want to fit in with that. Now, sometimes that is good. Sometimes it'll lead you wrong. Why? Because there's no pattern like Christ. Christ is our pattern. And then finally, we have a group. They're the, those who live a lifestyle of the liberated. This is one I run into most often lately. There are the religious crowd that uh, are doing things because somebody else is not doing them. Well, if those are religious holy rollers over here, I'm not going to do it because that's what they're doing. I don't want to be associated with them. All are wrong, folks. Why? Because they're using a pattern other than Christ. As a child of God, if I want to be changed and I want to be what God's calling me to be, the pattern of that change has got to be Christ. Now, notice what Paul is saying. Paul says, ye have not so learned Christ. Look at verse 20. You have not so learned Christ. You see, this was not a game that you learned. Unfortunately, oftentimes in church, it's a game. We do what they're doing and we keep up with what they're keeping up with. Folks, can I tell you, this is not a game we learn. This is Christ we learn. That's what we're learning. Uh, these kids in here, I don't want them to be like me. And most likely, they don't want to be like me. You know, I don't want you to be like me. Look, I want you to be like Jesus because that's who I want to be like too. And if he's our pattern, oh, we will find out so much in our life will answer itself. Let me give you some examples tonight. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, listen close. Therefore if, we, therefore, if we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like, listen to these next two words, as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, wait a minute. What was the pattern? Two words, as Christ. As Christ. You see, the question is not, should I or shouldn't I? The question is, is it as Christ? Am I speaking as Christ would speak? Am I living as Christ would live? Why? That's what we're called to. I think we've gotten to the place to where we excuse ourselves with the phrase, well, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. None of us in here are perfect tonight. But I can tell you one thing. The Word of God says I'm supposed to be striving to become more like my Father who is. Am I going to attain it in this life? No. I get disappointed in myself on a daily basis. Do you? I wish I knew what it was like to be you because some of you are acting like you've never been disappointed in yourself. I get disappointed in myself all the time. I feel like I take two steps toward the Father and then three steps backwards. I get disappointed, oh, wretched man that I am. But can I tell you, my humanity doesn't excuse me away from being obedient to what God has called me to do and to be more like my Father with each passing day. How do we do that? you got to have a good pattern. That pattern is Christ. Romans 15, 7, the Bible says, Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. You know, that involves our relationships with other people. The Bible says, Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Oh, can I tell you, if God, if Christ could receive me, then I can receive anybody else. You see, once you decide you're going to live as Christ, it will affect how you treat other people. Isn't that amazing? You're like, well, I just got to keep this list. Do not say this word. Do not act this way. Look, you're going to fry your brain. You're going to have a list longer than Santa Claus. 
all right, this is what I can't do, this is where I can't go, this is how I can't act, all this. Can I tell you, if you just decided, put on your list as Christ, you'll treat people right. If you just said, I want to follow the pattern of Christ, you'd be amazed at places you wouldn't go. I'll give you another one, Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The Bible says walk in love as Christ. Ephesians 5.25, here it comes. You knew it was coming. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ. As Christ. I was telling someone this afternoon, it's amazing how easy it is to treat your family lesser than you treat people in public. Can we agree? It is. I try to be the same person behind the pulpit as in my house. I'm, I'm, I'm very particular about that, but I fail at it sometimes. And well, there are times where I will maybe be unkind or maybe not as loving as I should be toward my wife. And boy, the Holy Spirit convicts my heart. Why? Because I have a pattern for how I'm supposed to love my wife. You say, what's the pattern? Is it a book you got at Books a Million? No, it's Christ. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ. You see, it's the pattern. And if I choose to follow that pattern, it's so many things are going to fall into place. You'll treat your wife right. And wife, that also goes for the husband. You say, well, it didn't say wives love your husband as Christ. So I don't have to. No, you're supposed to. Submit yourself to him as Christ did. That's what he did to us and for us. And as I follow that pattern, all of a sudden I'm treating people right. I'm living a more righteous and holy life. I'm loving my wife the way she's supposed to be loved. How did you do that? What was the silver bullet? I mean, what program did you go through? I just realized that I'm supposed to follow Christ. And when I set him as my pattern, all of a sudden these things started falling together. Colossians 3.13, I'll give you one more before I go to number two. The Bible says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. It's amazing, forgiveness. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. So well, somebody hurt me and somebody said something about me. And so, it, hey, I get it. I, I've, I've, been a, uh, I've been on the offensive on that and I've been on the defensive on that. I think all of us have. You're like, well, you just don't know what I've gone through and you don't know what I experienced. You don't know how bad it was. Wait a minute. The Bible says forgiving one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know what it's saying? If Christ could let it go, so could I. And when I follow him, and I'm following Christ, I say, no, 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 I'm not turning aside for bitterness. I'm not turning aside for anger. I'm following Christ. Suddenly, you find yourself loving your spouse right. You find yourself treating people differently. And you find yourself forgiving. Isn't that amazing? And we just choose to follow after Christ. So the chance at change we have in the new year begins with what? The pattern of change, which is Christ in verse number 20. Now, let's hurry. Let's hurry. Verse number 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Here's a question I'll give you real quick. It's not a question of should I. It's not a question of should I. That, we, we go down that road as a Christian. Is this right? Is this bad? Can I do this? Can I not do this? It's not a question of should I. It's a question of would Christ. That's the question. All right? 
Instead of getting to the place where you say, should I or shouldn't I? Because look, we are human and we are very good at justifying things we know we shouldn't be doing. All right? We're very good at it. I can do it all the time. If I allow, the, if I allow myself to walk in the flesh, I could justify untold sins. But it's not a question of should I. In the new year, should I do this? Should I go there? Should I say that? Uh, should I be a part of that? It's not a question of should I. It's a question of would Christ. If you'll let that answer the question for you tonight, I promise you, you'll keep yourself out of a whole lot of spiritual trouble. So then the Bible says, verse 21, it says the truth is in Jesus. And then watch verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now, I'm excited tonight that I don't have to keep a scroll in my back pocket or, or I guess now with technology, a list on my phone. That I have to memorize all the do's and don'ts of the Christian life. Look, there's no way you could do it. Uh, I don't know that you could have enough memory on your cell phone. I have a list of all the things you can do and can't do. But if you'll just put on there the pattern of Christ, it'll answer a lot of those questions for you. That's the good news. But then I want you to notice, as soon as you embark on that journey, that Christ is the pattern for the change you desire in your life, notice something begins to happen in verse number 22. Notice the Bible says, and that ye put off concerning the former conversation. Now, here's what I want you to get on this one. Adopting the character of Christ in your life is going to create a conflict. Where when you choose to follow Christ, and that I'm going to follow the pattern of Christ and how I speak and how I live, Christ is going to be my pattern. Suddenly, there's a conflict. What is the conflict? Well, as I seek to be more like him, I have to be less like me. There's a conflict. Because to be honest with you, if I could just be both, that'd be great. By the way, that's what modern religion teaches today. That you can still be you and yet possess Christ. But Romans 6.11, the Bible says this, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does that say? Both of us can't live. I'm either dead or He's alive. One of, the, uh, one of us is going to be alive. One of us is going to be dead. Who's going to be who? Now, get this tonight. I'll give you the second point. I'm not adding Christ to my life. I'm adopting his life as mine. Okay? I'm not adding Christ to the mix of my life and how I feel and what I want. And say, Christ, you're just an accessory now. You're one of the desires of my life. That's not how he works. I'm adopting his life is mine. That's the second thing I want you to see as we seek change in the new year. Number two, the price of change. Becoming more like him comes at the cost of being less like me. Now notice what he says in verse number 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation. What I loved as I was studying this out just this afternoon, and how many of the words are past tense? And they are understood. Notice, he says, it's understood in verse 17, you shouldn't be walking the way the other Gentiles walk. Now in verse 22, it's an understanding that who we used to be is former conversation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The Bible says that all things are passed away, all things have become new. Notice it's an understanding in the Christian life. Let me tell you, folks back in the old days, they got this. 
They understood that both of us can't live. I've got to be dead to sin and alive in Christ. We can't do both. That I'm adopting the life of Christ, not adding it to the lifestyle that I desire to live. Ephesians 5, 8. For ye were sometimes, notice the understanding of the word were. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You see, here's our problem right here. And boy, this is where the rubber meets the road in my life. I, I know the pattern of change. It's Christ, but it's the price of change I'm not willing to pay. The price is I've got to die in order for him to live. Now, the Bible says that's supposed to have already happened. And here's the problem. We don't like change, do we? We don't like change. I get it. We've had three and a half years of change. I get it. And you say, well, what do you like? Well, it's just change. We don't like change. We're creatures of habit. We like things the way they've always been and the way that they were. And we don't like to be changed. Why? Because of complacency. We get complacent. We like things the way we like them. Hey, I'm the same way. There's a place on the couch that I like to sit. Unfortunately, my wife likes to sit in that place too. And so now I have a different place that I sit. I've slid on down to the end, you know, I've yielded. Husbands, love your court. Hey, if Christ could give himself for the church, I could give my cushion for my wife. That's so why I let her have it, you know. I let her have that end of the couch, and I have my end of the couch. But man, something as dumb as a couch cushion. That's where I like to sit. I like to sit where I can nestle my head in between the cushions and then just drift off to Neverland. And she wakes me up the next morning. But you know what? Change is required in the Christian life to become who he's called us to be. I've got to have, watch what he says in verse 22. Put off concerning the former. That means there's some things that need to go in the past. Now, here's what's amazing. When you read verse 20, uh, verse 22 and verse number 24, you see the words put off and put on. We think about clothes. We think about clothes. I dare say everyone in here tonight over the age of 13 probably dressed yourself, Right? Some of the 13-year-olds are cringing right now. Well, you know, mom still picked them out for you. I guess that's okay. I picked out my clothes today. I got up this morning, got dressed, picked out. I decided what I was going to put on. I decided that. I, I matched this myself. As far as I know, everything matches. It goes well. My wife didn't say anything about my way out the door, so evidently it works. I decided what I was going to put on. Can I tell you in the new year, you get to decide what you put on. You get to choose whether or not you put on the new man, but you got to first put off the old man, but then that requires change. I mean, today I, uh, to work, I wore, uh, wore these slacks, a, uh, a lumberjack checkered shirt, because, I mean, you just feel more manly when you're dressed like a lumberjack, you know? And uh, then I had a blue vest on, and I would have loved to have preached in that tonight, to be totally frank with you. I would have loved to just preach in that and not went home and put on my tie, Okay. But I said, no, I need to put on my suit and my tie tonight and get ready for it. Before I could put that on, I had to put something else off. I had to go home and change. Can I tell you, you get to choose what you put on. And oftentimes, in order to put on Christ, you've got to put off self. And that's why we're going to get to the last service of 2023, like we are at the last service of 2022. And there's going to be some people still wearing the same thing they were wearing a year later. Why? We didn't choose to change. We decided, you know what? I know I should be more like Christ, but watch this. I'm better than that guy over there. I'm more like Christ than he is, and we excuse ourselves. But remember, the pattern's not him. The pattern's Christ. 
Do you know when we stand before God what the pattern is going to be? It's going to be Christ and all that we could have been through Christ. Notice what he says in verse 22. That you put off, that means a choice, concerning the former conversation. What is that? It's a lifestyle. I mean, the word of God is spelling it out for us that the more I become like Christ, the more change should come to my lifestyle. I mean, we have a counterfeit Christianity in America today, and it breaks my heart because, number one, people are missing out on the opportunities that are afforded to them by being more like Christ. But number two, they're losing the power they could have being more like Christ because they're being told we could stay the same and be just like Jesus. It's not true. The Bible says it's a former conversation. That past lifestyle has got to be put off. That is the price of the change. Now, why do we have to do that? We'll keep reading verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation. That's the old lifestyle, the old man, which is what? Corrupt. You see, that's why we have to put it off. It's going to corrupt. I, I, I told you Sunday, I went hunting, and it's been a while that, uh, that I have gotten my hunting bag out. And Brother Thatch gave me a new hunting bag before he passed away. And, and so I dug it out of the closet. I was going to use it to go hunting. Hopefully a little bit of that Thatch luck, you know, would rub off on us out there. And uh, when I was unzipping one of the bags uh, to put my, uh, my gloves in, I found a flashlight that he had left in there. And evidently, he had left it in there a while back because when I opened it up, it had all of this little white, crumbly, nasty acid all over the end of the, the flashlight. Man, it's a nice, it's a mag light. Man, I unscrewed the end of it, and all this white stuff's falling out. The batteries are just corroded. I mean, it was nasty, nasty, nasty. And I looked up in the light, and it's all up in there. It's eating up everything. Do you know what had happened? It had been corrupted. Right? Those batteries stayed in there too long, and they did whatever batteries do. I don't know why they do that, but they did that, and it ate up the whole light. You see, it had been corrupted because the batteries stayed in there too long. Now, watch this. The reason we will be less useful to God in 2023, it's because we're not putting off the parts of our lifestyle that are going to corrupt us. It was just two batteries, but the two batteries spread to those springs on the inside of the light. They spread up there to the switch and the wires that went to the switch and they spread up there to the head where the LED was at. It just spread everywhere. And now that light was ineffective. Why? It had been corrupted. Now, folks, tonight, listen to me. If you desire genuine change in your life in 2023, the price for that is putting off the things that are going to corrupt you along the way. The Bible says a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. We know how leaven works. It spreads throughout the entire thing. The price for change tonight, we've got to be willing to put off some things. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit of God, he's really good at helping you know what's going to corrupt you. He's good at it. The Holy Spirit of God lets you know people that will corrupt you. He'll let you know the hobbies that will corrupt you. He'll let you know things on TV that will corrupt you, which is most of it. Things on the radio that will corrupt you. He'll let you know. But watch this. The Holy Spirit's not going to invade your life and get rid of your friends. Now, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Some of you are thinking, that'd be so great to watch. Holy Spirit, just bust up in your house and throw your friends out. That'd be great. He's not. You're going to have to put it off. He's not going to come in and get rid of your television and all the junk that's on there. He's not going to clean out your cabinets and your DVD case. No, we have to do that. Why would we want to do that? Because we want to be changed. And those things are only going to corrupt us. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. What is he telling us? You can't keep that stuff and expect to have good fruit. You know, 
I believe with all my heart, I mean, here we are on a Wednesday night, last Wednesday night of the year. I believe you folks that are here, folks that are watching tonight, I know a lot of our people are out of town. Maybe some of them are watching. I think all of us want to be changed. We want to be different, more like Christ, better than we were. We want to do more, and we want that. I believe we really, really do. But the step that brings about change in our life is when we pay the price. And the price is putting off the things that are going to corrupt us. So number two, the price of change. Well, we got to put off some things. Go to, go to verse 24, and we'll hurry. The Bible says, and that you put on the new man. Notice, put off, put on. It's not just getting rid of some things, it's bringing some things into our life. What do we need to put on in verse 24? Put on the new man, which, is, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You know what that is? Number three, that's a pursuit of change. There's some things you're going to have to pursue in the new year if you want change. The Bible's telling us things we need to take off, things we need to put on in our life. Now, notice the contrast in verse 24. One is the old man in verse 22, and one is the new man in verse number 24. Now, get this before we close tonight. There is no way, I don't care who tells you different, I don't care how many blogs you've read, there is no way to pursue Christ and ignore righteousness and holiness. There's no way. There's no way. I'm telling you, I run into so many Christians out and about in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and they are as content to be in their sin, and they've been made comfortable to be in their sin, all because they believe, you know what, I can follow Christ and live in the flesh. You can't. The Bible says put off and put on righteousness and holiness. This is the litmus test of what we should be putting on and what we should be taking off. Is it righteous? Is it holy? Is it going to make me more like Christ? Ezekiel 44 there's a, boy, there's a hundred messages in, in verse number 23. Speaking of the priest, the Bible says, and they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. Notice the spiritual leaders, what their job was. Their job was to teach the people the difference in the holy and profane. Can I ask you, how often do you hear that one? No, we hear the blessed this is how to be blessed. This is how to live your best life now. And look, I'm not knocking anybody tonight. I'm just trying to tell you, if you want to have honest change in your life where you become more like Christ, you can't do it outside of righteousness and holiness. That's what we've got to be pursuing. That's what we've got to be leading our kids to pursue. Oftentimes, I think we dangle blessings in front of them like a carrot. Don't you want blessings? Don't you want blessings? The truth is, if they want blessings, teach them to live a holy and a righteous life. That's how it brings about the change that God would have for us. Romans 12, 1, I'll not take time to turn there. You know the verse well. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Holy and acceptable unto God. Now, you say, man, you know, you should have just given us a donut of a message tonight. We're closing out the year. Give us something to make us happy and excited. I hope this does make you happy and excited. Because this is what does bring the blessings of God in your life. It makes you more like Christ. And it's pleasing to our Father. And by the way, that's all that matters. Is that how we live our life is pleasing to our Father. That's all that's going to matter one day. That's why that's all that should matter right now. Is it pleasing to God? Had a long talk with my dad today. Good visit with him. And you know, he's kind of like the pastor's pastor. And we sit down and we were talking together about uh, how, uh, how ministry has changed really in the last five to ten years and how it's hard sometimes uh, to do things that used to be easy. And boy, how dangerous it is to go down the road of doing what is easy and doing what is popular 
in doing what is going to bring more praise and acclaim. It's hard sometimes to do the will of God. But can I tell you, what matters is not what's pleasing to you and what's pleasing to I. What matters is what's pleasing to God. That's the only way God's blessings are going to be on our church and your home and the lives of your children, that we do what thus saith the Lord. How you raise your kids is not always going to be popular. Matter of fact, if you're raising them by the word of God, it's not going to be popular. So you've got to get to the place where you're willing to pursue what God wants And you do that by doing what he says in verse 24, put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, how to do that? I'll give you this and you're done. How do we do that? Well, it's the verse we skip, verse 23. This is the key to all of it. The Bible says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do I put off what I don't need? How do I put on what I do need? How do I make Christ the pattern Right there in the middle of those two verses of putting off and putting on, he sandwiches verse 23, and it gives us the key tonight. I believe this is the fourth thing. The priority of change is simply this. It's a renewed mind. The priority of change that, hey, if I want my life to change and my lifestyle to change and my walk to change, it all begins with a change of my mind, the way that I think. I'm thankful tonight that the God that we serve can help us have a changed mind. What did Romans 12 say? The renewing of your mind. Thanks be to God, I don't have to think the way that I've always thought, that God can help me change my mind. Just a little while ago, we were kneeling down in prayer at Miss Janelle's house, praying with her. And boy, what a blessing it was, knowing what she's going through, and she's already gone through this once, and about to go through a brain tumor again, to be able to bow before an almighty God, and know that he could change that. That God has, has the power to reach down and change all of that. Oh, God can do that. And God can change your mind too. God can change the way that we think and he desires to do that. The question is tonight, is that what we truly desire? A changed mind. Because whether you're trying to have a changed physical life, whether you're trying to have a, a change in your financial situation, you know, none of that will change unless you have a changed mind. You got to change the way you think. You know, I, I read after some millionaires sometimes and uh, just reading their strategies and whatnot, trying to get illustrations and all this. And uh, they said, you got to start thinking like a millionaire. This says, a millionaire, he doesn't have that $7 cup of coffee. Uh, he takes a thermos from the house. You're thinking, I don't have to carry a thermos everywhere I go. Well, yeah, there's the problem. You got to learn to change your mind, change the way you think. Why? Because the outcome you're working toward. What is our outcome? Well, the out- outcome is very simple. That in the new year, we would become more like Christ. More like Christ. That's, that's what I want. I don't want to try to fit in with all the other pastors. Okay, he's doing this. Okay, we're wearing brown shoes now. Okay, I didn't know that. Go back to black. Black shoes. Okay, what color belt? Are we doing pocket squares? I'm not sure. Are we doing pocket squares this year? Oh, no. You're wasting your time. Why don't you decide Christ is going to be your pattern? And then number two, you're willing to pay the price. What's the price? I'm going to put off some things. Put off some things. How do I know if I need to put it off? Is it corrupting? Is it taking you away from following Christ? And then the pursuit, I want to put on that new man. Righteousness, holiness. What's the priority? God, help me change my mind. That's the invitation tonight. That we would want to be like Christ so much that we make a priority to have a changed mind. I want to think differently. I promise you, if you think differently, you'll act differently. 
As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The demoniac, he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. Let God change your mind. Offer that up to him tonight. And when God changes your mind, you're on your way to becoming more like Christ. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed.